let's go ahead and get in our Bibles. We're going to Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20. Of course, Exodus chapter 20 is the um, Ten Commandments. We're going to go through really quick all those ten and what the Bible says about them. But I wanted to point out a few things to you. Most people see Exodus chapter 20 and they all know that the first 17 verses deal with um, the Ten Commandments. But there's more in this chapter than that. And we're talking about Moses, a man God moved. Moses was always perpetually moving and, and yet he was somebody that God used in a great way. And isn't it great to know that even through the Exodus and all through all these things, you see Moses developing into who he is. Um, let's just do some, some review for Exodus chapter 20 and through 23. In Exodus chapter 20 verses and chapter through 21, 22, and 23, of course you have the Ten Commandments, but then after he gets done with the Ten Commandments, and we're going to look at those this, this, this evening, but as you as you look at this, you're going to see some other things that he found in those chapters. He, he, making of idols. Um, he, he says, listen, you, these are forbidden. He'll give you more examples of that as we go. And he tells them the rules for building an altar. How do you build an altar? What do you need to do? And then he breaks down some of the laws even further than what he would just when we look at the first 17 verses. He talks about the laws concerning male, maid servants and, and male servants. And he talks about the, the, the law concerning murder and other offenses. He talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That is a biblical um, word and little statement that you hear, but then he'll break it down even in the New Testament about what that means. And and you'll hear, as it has been said of old, and he, and he switches it over and shows when Jesus is here what this exactly means and gives a deeper meaning to these Ten Commandments. He gives the law concerning oxen, how we're supposed to take care of those, regarding restitution. Very important that we have that restitution. He gives other laws. He talks about ethics and usury. And, you know, when you when you look at this, you sure do understand that God sure is a thorough God. And so let's jump right into this. And I, I promise you, we probably will not be long. You say, well, there's 10 points, but we'll get through them pretty pr fairly quickly. <clears throat> let's go ahead and pray. And we'll talk about Moses, a man God moved. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the, the ability to be very thorough. You know, there's things we, we, we get to and we get into, and sometimes we don't know how to handle them because there's just so many what-ifs. Lord, when it comes to your word, you told us exactly what we need to do. Every step of the way you did. And, and I'm so thankful for that. Now, as we look at this, we, we see the law come out. And Lord, the law is good. It's virtually impossible for us to keep all the time. But Lord, may we try to even adhere to this law when it comes to these, these Ten Commandments. May we understand what you have for us, and may we understand the order that you did. Thank you for being thorough. Thank you for being thorough in our life, in my life. And thank you for being the God who you are. Thank you again for all the things you've done. Be with them, those that need our prayers and those that are not feeling well today, those that can't get out, Lord, just be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever seen me go over Exodus chapter 20, one of the main emphasis I think are the found in the first two verses. And they're the ones that are probably overlooked more than anything. It says, And God spake all these words, saying, God's going to set it up, and in, his, in verse number 3, you're going to see that the, the commandments start. But in verse number 2, 
you're going to see what God says he did. And he, and this is very important to him because he shows, it shows them what they went through and it shows us what we're going to, what we're going to go through and what we've already went through. So I want you to look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse number one and two. It says, the Lord God, then God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I like that first statement. I am the Lord thy God. And both of them, capital L, capital G, aren't you thankful for God being our Lord? But then not only that, it says, it says, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt. You know, when he's talking to the Israelites, they understood exactly what he meant. And as Christians, we've got to look at this and say, okay, what does this mean for me? Out of the land of Egypt, Egypt has always been typified the, 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 the world. Aren't you thankful that he's brought us out of the world? Because what he says in verse number two, he's done for us. Then it says this, out of the house of bondage. And, and, and the bondage to them meant being under the Egyptians. Bondage to us means our sin. Sin's, sin has been taken care of on, on, with Christ going to the cross. But then he lists the Ten Commandments, and we're going to look at these, and we'll break them down. But let's go ahead and read verses 3 through 17. Follow along with me, if you would. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or likeness of anything <clears throat> that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in that water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, <clears throat> visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Verse number seven, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Verse number eight, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt, do, thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy ma man manservant, nor thy maidservant, not the cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord um, made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rest the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Verse, verse number 12. Honor thy father and mother, for thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now you're going to get into the short ones here. Verse number 13. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy brother. And thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor his main manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. <clears throat> so let's get let's get right into this, and I'm going to show you how this is broken down. God, again, he has it in order, and he's very thorough with what he does. The first four um, commandments deal with our relationship with God in his day. It's interesting, I was watching a video once, and I, and I remember where I watched it, but it was showing it was a religious um, convention and they just went outside the door and they asked the people, could you tell me what the Ten Commandments are? It was amazing to me how many people did not know the Ten Commandments. You know, we've taken them out of our school, but we shouldn't have taken them out of our heart. And as we look at these Ten Commandments, we should know what these are. We should be able to at least name eight to eight maybe even possibly all 10 of them. But there's something that we need to live by, so we need to know what they are. It's like me telling you, I want you to go make a meal and then not giving you any of the ingredients that would go into it. And 
that's not how it works. You've got to have all the ingredients for a meal to be right. And so when God gives them the law, now remember, the Israelites chose this. They want to live by mercy. They want to live by the law. They wanted to have these laws written where they could they could follow them and they could do them. But it's easier said than done. And as as we look at these, let's look at let's see how God breaks this down. He breaks it down in a particular order, and he does the most important ones, and he works his way back. And as we look at these, I want you to see some of these. The first four deal with the relationship with God and his day. The first three deal with God and what you need to do, and the fourth one deals with his day. And we're going to look at some of these words that are found in here, and it's very simple with, with some of them. Verse number um, three <clears throat> deals with the first one, and it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when you look at this, it's multiple gods with a little g. And don't 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 underestimate this because there's really nothing more written about it, but this is the basic of what God wants us to do when it comes to our worship towards him. He doesn't want us to have things in front of him, and we so much sometimes put things in front of him. Why would we want a little G when we can have a big G? As a Christian, it's wonderful to know that God is the one that formed this Bible, formed this world, and he also, when you go to the New Testament, he is the one that shows um, salvation through his son. Why would I want to have a God before me? But we do it all the time. People do it all the time. We put gods before me. It could be sports. It could be a hobby. It could be a job. It could be a boat. It could be a person. And God doesn't want us to have that. He wants him to be first. When you have a problem, what do you do? You need to pray about it. How many times you had someone go through a problem and say, please pray for us. It's putting God first. When you have a blessing, you know what? God needs to be first. So in the prayers and in the blessings, we need to make sure we don't have any gods before us. So the first one's very simple. Don't have little g gods, plural, in front of him. That's what he's telling these um, the, the Israelites. Remember, they were in Egypt. All these things were before them. This is what the, Isra what the Israelites saw in the Egyptians. Don't do this. Now, number two, the number two is what they really saw, and he, he actually breaks it down. He gives you three verses on this. It says, thou shalt not make any graven images. Now, this is something that we put, that we build and we put in front of us. Look at verse number four. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above and is in the earth beneath and that is in the water under the earth. Now, these again are referring to the Egyptian gods. Don't do this. They were so used to this. But this goes against what they had seen for many years. And so then he does something that's very interesting in verse number five. He says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And then it says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love and keep my commandments. When he's breaking this down, he says something very interesting in verse number five. He says, thou shalt not bow down. As, as an American Christian, and a, especially an independent Baptist, when you look at this, you understand, why would I bow down to this? But people bow down to things all the time. We see st um, statues that people bow down to. You see things that, that we, we would put rev more reverent because we don't understand the first one and the second one, how much they go together. If you have no other gods before me, you're, you're probably not going to have a problem with number two. 
But look what it says. It says, bow down. Sometimes we like to bow down to these gods. Don't do it. There's going to be a lot of people when we get on the other side of this that are going to start coming to church because they understand that there's something bigger. But then there's other people that are going to be in church. They've gotten out of church and they'll slide off. Don't, don't be the second. Understand that you need to not make any graven images. Don't bow down. And look at the second thing it says to him. It says not only to bow down, it says, nor serve them. When you serve something, it becomes bigger. And so we've got to see this, that we've got to understand that God does not want us to serve them. And then it says, why? Because God is a jealous God. Now we understand the word jealous. We understand the word jealous. We know what that means. When some, when you're jealous about something, guess what? You are upset that you didn't get what you rightly deserve. And that's what God says. Look what it says. It says, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And again, those are capital G's. He says, listen, I'm a jealous God. And then he says, visiting iniquity. And it talks about those that hate him. There's people that hate him. He admits it in verse number five. But then in verse number six, guess what? He shows mercy. Showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So shows that what what on both sides, if you hate him and you're not you're not serving him and he's a jealous God, he's gonna he's gonna take care of it. But on the other side of it, if you're trying to to, to love him and you're trying to keep his commandments, he's gonna show mercy on you. So we've got to see this. And the word mercy means goodness, kindness, faithfulness. It's translated in the in the Hebrew, in many different ways in the Old Testament, of those words, goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. And it's talking about the word mercy. And that's what we want. We want God to show mercy to us. Verse number seven is the third one. Again, we've talked about, um, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no, no graven images. And the third one is this, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord should be important. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Hmm. I wonder how many times we hear that on TV. How many times you see, oh my God, oh my God. They're not referring to God when they say that. It's one particular um, television channel and they, when, and it's HGTV, when they come in and they look at something that that's what most of them always say. Oh my God, look at this room. Oh my God. That's not referring to God. God does not take that lightly. I, I, I equate it to this. If someone came to you and was in the room that you were in and kept saying your name, but weren't, wasn't referring to you, wouldn't that drive you crazy? It'd drive me crazy. Let's just say they said it 10 times in a conversation and they weren't talking to you. And every time you'd look up, you'd, that's not what they were talking about. That, that, that would make your name not be as important. Be careful with this one. Be careful with this one. Watch euphemisms. Watch these other things. There's other things you can say. But we don't have to take the Lord's name in vain. Hollywood does it all the time. You get tired of it. You say, you almost, and you get used to it sometimes. Let's be very careful with this one. Because he says something in this one. Let's look at it. It says, thou shalt not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He doesn't end there. It says in the end of the verse number seven, it says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And the word vain means empty. So let's look at the word guiltless. You can say what you want. You can do things. You can say the Lord's name and he's not going to, he's going to hold you accountable. He, you're not going to be guiltless. 
His name should mean something. He's our Savior. It's not just a word we use. He's our Creator. It's not just a word we use. I wish you could go back into biblical times when the scribes got to some of the words that some of the names that Jesus was, I mean that God was. They would take a pen and they would do one stroke with it and they'd pick it up and they'd throw the pen away. They'd take a shower and clean up and then they'd come back and do the next. And they keep doing that because God's name meant something to them. It's very special. The God we pray to and in Jesus' name at the very end, his name should mean something. God's name should mean something. The Holy Spirit should mean something. Be very careful with this. These, these, these um, Israelites were around Egyptians. They heard things all the time. They heard, they heard bad words. They heard um, cursing of their gods. But you know what? We should be different as a Christian. And all these things are great things to live by. You know, we shouldn't have any gods before us. We shouldn't make graven images. And number three, we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. Be very careful of that. Because sometimes I think this is one that we do so much that we get used to it. God says, listen, we're not supposed to take his name in vain. It sh we, should, we will not be found guiltless. We need to make sure we do what's right with this. So here's the first three, and it has to do with God. Now the next one has to do with God's day. And he actually writes more about this one in all the Ten Commandments than he does anyway. He has, gives more verses with it. Verse number 8 through um, 11, he, he gives six, four verses on this, and this is the fourth one. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's interesting, the first word, remember. One of the things I've had hard times with, with this whole thing going on is, what day is it? What I mean, what day is it? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Is it Thursday? Is it Friday? Because my life was, is, is based on church services. It's a Wednesday night service, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night. You know, as you, as you think about it, remember. Do, do we have to get up and say, oh, it's Sunday again. Let's keep the Sabbath. Look what it says. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't let things get in your way. Well, I got to do this or I got to do that. Everybody's got things to do. Because when you, do, when you, when you don't do num verse number eight, the fourth one, it's because you're doing one of the one, two, or three. Probably not the third one, but probably one or two. You're having another God before him. Or you're making a graven image and you're, you're bowing down to it instead of doing what number four. See how these lead into each other? And so verse number eight says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it whole. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. It says, listen, work hard for six days. But in the aspect of this, make sure you understand that you need a day of rest. It says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do do no work, nor thou, nor thy son, nor daughter, thy manservant, um, thy maidservant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. It's basically giving you everybody that's in your house, you need to make sure you take the seventh day off. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in that is and all that in them is. And rest the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and watch what it says and hallowed it that's that means to make it holy let's make sure we understand that we've got to do these four so the first three deal with our relationship with god we should have no other gods before me we should make no graven images and we should be very careful about his name 
And the fourth one deals with his our relationship with the Sabbath day. You know, I'm looking forward to when we can assemble again. Hopefully in two weeks we'll have some type of service here, but we've got to put some restrictions on it. But as you, as you look at it, man, I'm looking forward to seeing people where it's not through a windshield or it's not just looking at a camera in my office. Man, I'm looking forward to that Sabbath day where we can meet together. Let's make sure we understand that. Now, the next six deal with people and possessions. And, and I want to say this. If, when we, we looked at this, I think, last week when we when it saw the rich young ruler. And he comes and he's, he's very wealthy and he says he's kept all the commandments. And all he lists, all, when Jesus is talking to him, he lists his relationship between um, the fifth one through the tenth with his relationship with people and possessions. He didn't say anything about the first four. But remember what he said? He said, I've kept them all for my youth. There's no way you can keep all five and six of these. It's hard to do. Watch this. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Maybe on purpose, maybe not. That would make you a thief. That would also make you break one of the commandments. And I can go through this. Have you ever told a lie? What about an exaggeration? Is that true? You know what we've done with lies, white ones and black ones, and you know what? It doesn't matter. A lie is a lie. So let's break down these when it comes to our relationship with people and possessions. The first one is found in verse number 12. Now watch what it says. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. First of all, we got to understand, we'll get to what this one is, but look at the very end. Um, the Lord's given you these days. The Lord's given you this land. I mean, all these things God has given you. So you know what you need to do with this? You need to honor thy father and mother. Honoring them is God's will. Now, you'll hear me say this, and, I, and I've, I've brought this. You know, I'm thankful about this, that it's not obey your mother and father. Now, should we obey them? Yes, we should. But you, it's a hard time to obey them if they're not alive. My mother died over 14 years ago. But I can still honor her. I can't obey her because she's not going to give me any, any new direction. But I sure can honor her. As you look at that, understand that there's a difference between honoring and obeying. Because in, even through death, when, when they pass on, I can honor my father and my mother. How do I do that? That's a simple aspect of it. The simple aspect is... I, I live for the Lord. I'm honoring them and honor the, honoring my father and my mother by doing that. If they're alive, hopefully they're Christians. If not, if I'm honoring them with my whole life and I'm doing what's right, what the Bible says is right, hopefully they'll see Christ in me if they're not a Christian. But let's say they pass away. The story is told of Lazarus and, and the beggar. And as you, as you look at this, he says what? He says, go tell my brothers about wh where we're at. If they're Christians, you honor them by living like Christ. And let's say they passed away. Now they're in heaven. You can honor them by where they're at. Let's say they're, they're not in heaven. Let's say you had a, a parent that passed away that wasn't a Christian. Can you still honor them? Yeah, they don't want anybody to go where they're at. And you do that by your lifestyle. Although this is talking about family, it's about your lifestyle of how you act. 
We've got to honor our father and mother. The Bible says this, that the, that the days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And God sure does love you. You make sure you, you, you thank him for that and make sure you understand to honor your father and mother. Now the next one is, is the sixth one. And this is one of the shorter ones. It says, thou shalt not kill. What does that mean? Taking somebody's life. Remember when you go back to the beginning of, of time, when it, not the beginning of time, but the beginning of what the Bible talks about creation. God created Adam and Eve. What were his two sons' names? Cain and Abel. Do you realize that one of them was a murderer? And why was he a murderer? Because his brother did what was right and he did what was wrong. He was convicted by it. Remember what he says when... God comes and says, where's your brother? I'm not my brother's keeper. Well, he, he was his brother brother's killer. We've got to get back and understand what this means. Now, there's, there's some thought process with this when it comes to um, war. You know, that's a different thing when you're defending what God has for you. And, and if someone were to come into your house defending your possessions, but thou shalt not kill is mean to go out and take an innocent person's life. Didn't Moses himself get in trouble for this? He got upset about something and killed an Egyptian. And he was known for that. Thou shalt not kill. I wonder when he read that, it brought him back to that day. Here he's carrying the tablet that's got it on there. Thou shalt not kill. Wait a minute, I did that. But if God can still use Moses when he broke one of the most drastic um, commandments, God can use me. God can use you. But he's saying the standard is thou shalt not kill. And that is, the, that is the, the sixth one. The seventh one is found in verse number 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, God is going to, Jesus is going to break it down further in the New Testament. But for, for just sake of this time, we all know what that means. God had ordained marriage stay in that confinement. God doesn't look at this, thou shalt not commit adultery as a small thing. Remember, these are big aspects in our life. These are the 10 commandments. These are not the 10 suggestions and the 10 maybe commandments. These are things that God wants to do. And he knows if we do these, they'll make us a better person. So thou shalt not commit adultery. I don't want to stay on that one, but you know what that means. And verse number 15, it says, thou shalt not steal. You know, I'm, I'm thankful he just ended it with four words. It's the second shortest one, has one more letter than in verse number 13, but thou shalt not steal. That means small or large. Doesn't matter the amount. Doesn't matter what it costs. Some things we steal sometimes don't cost very much. We just got to have them. I know of people that have been caught shoplifting just because they had to have that rush. They didn't really need the products. Just stealing. We, we get it in where, where we've got to take things that are not ours. Someone had to pay for those. And that's the principle with this is that when you steal something, somebody had to, had to pay for those. Let's go back to the killing. When you kill someone, that someone is an aunt or uncle or, or a son or a father and all, all these things is... They mean it, it kind of compounds as it goes. So we've got to understand that the Bible doesn't give you any aspect of if it's small, it's okay, but if it's large, it's not. You know, there's a group of people that believe you can lose your salvation. 
And this verse gives them a lot of problems. Because if I walked up to some of them and said, listen, I took somebody's um, piece of gum that they had in there. I didn't tell them about it. Would I lose my salvation? Most of them would say, no, you won't lose your salvation. But if I took One of these major sins is disobedience. We've got to see this, that God wants us to understand what these ten, ten are for. And if we can keep them or if we can attempt to keep them, and when we break one of them, we get it we get it right with the Lord and say, Lord, we shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have taken that. How do you feel when you, when you take something that's not yours? There's been times when I went to Walmart and not realized what I had done and, and bought stuff and then th realized, what is that in my pocket? And I have to go back in and say, this I didn't mean to bring this out here. I didn't pay for it. I've done that three or four times. That's just because I can't remember what, what I did with it. But there's that moment where you go, oh, it won't matter. Look how big Walmart is. But it does matter. It doesn't matter to Walmart. It matters with my relationship with God. Do you understand that? When you steal something, you're not doing what God wants you to do. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. So the, the um, eighth one is thou shalt not steal. Now the next one is written in a different way. And as you look at it, I'm going to break it down. It says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Um, what's this talking about? Thou shalt not lie. Don't lie. If I were to say who has the biggest problem with lying, I don't know who that is, but I know people that like to exaggerate. Is exaggeration a lie? Yes, it is. If you know what the truth is. <laughs> Have you ever talked to a fisherman that caught a fish this big, but by the time 20 years rolls around, it's a fish this big. Are they lying? Yeah, they're lying. The fish was this big. Well, they just can't remember it. It's gotten bigger as it goes. Be careful that we tell the truth. Be careful that we're honest people. We're just people. If you're going to lie, it's going to catch up with you. The problem with lying is you got to remember who you lied to. And you got to remember what you said to them. If you tell the truth right across the board, all you got to do is keep one story. If you don't, you better remember. Let's say you go to Uncle Lou and you say, Lou, this is what I did. This is what I did. And it was a lie. Then you go to Uncle Steve and you say, this is what I did and this was a lie. But it's a different lie than this one, but it's the same story. The problem is, is when Lou and Steve get in the same room and then they start talking about it and they realize that you have not told the truth. If you tell the truth, you only have to keep the one story going. Don't lie. Let your mouth, let your communication be what it needs to be. Let yay be yay and nay be nay. People are watching you. Don't be known as someone that lies. Don't be known that someone that exaggerates. You know, I, you talk to preachers and evangelistically speaking, we had, how many kids, how many people did you have? We sometimes like to paint the picture bigger than what it really is because we want to puff ourselves up or we want to make ourselves look bigger or, or, or better. God doesn't look at us that way. He wants us to be that humble spirit. He wants us to not have that pride. Tell the truth. 
Just tell the truth. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. If you did it, you did it. I have a man, I have a man that was on my staff that um, somebody walked up to him and said, will you pray for me? And he said, yeah, I'll pray for you every day. A week went by, that man came back to church and they said, man, I appreciate your prayers. And you know what? I thank the, thank the Lord for honesty because that man said, I just got to be honest with you. I, I didn't pray. I forgot about it. Now, if you were to meet this guy, every time someone says, will you pray for me? He'll pray right then so that he doesn't forget it. And he can say, I prayed for you. Don't lie. Don't lie. So the next one is the last one. We've wrapped up. We went through pretty quick with these, but the 10th one is found in verse number 17. I'm going to be very honest with you. I think, I think the 10th one is probably one of the hardest things to do. Because when you honor your mother and father, everybody sees it. When you, thou shalt not kill, hopefully everybody knows that you're not doing that. That thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, and another person would know if you did that. Um, the the fifteen uh, uh, verse number fifteen, thou shalt not steal. You know you've stolen something, and then the person that you stole from knows that something was taken. Same way with bearing false witness. If you said something wrong, someone might catch on and just tell the truth. But the problem lies in in the tenth one is. You can hide all this stuff. This is something that's a heart problem. Go to verse number 17 and we'll be done. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor the manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his oxen, nor his ass, nor anything that is in thy neighbor's. And again, I want to thank God for his throwingness with this. He starts out, he says, Listen, coveting, that's wanting something that's not yours, that's something you've not worked for, but you still want to have it. Keep, keep reading on these and look at the order of this. The first one, <clears throat> I shall not cover thy neighbor's house. A structural building. Don't look at something and say, hey man, I wish I had that. There's always going to be a better house than yours. No matter what, who you are or where you live, there's always going to be something that's nicer. <clears throat> and then the second one says, um, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. This is a possession that the neighbor had and, and we've got to understand that vow. Don't do that. Make sure we understand that. Don't cover, don't even start thinking about, hey, if I only had her, if I only had him, don't think that way. Because when you start thinking that way, it'll, it'll set something in emotion that could hurt you. God says, listen, just don't covet things. Don't want something that's not yours. We look at things and we say, man, if I only had that. But how many times if we had them, would we have problems with them? Cars are a good example. If I had this, if I had that car, I'd just have a wonderful thing. Cars break down. And when you want to covet something, you know what? I don't want to covet something that could break down and cost me more money. God's trying to protect us here. He gives you what you need. And I use this as a reference before. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The wanting aspect, God's going to give you exactly what you need. Keep reading. It says that thy, thy wife, and it says, um, nor his nor his manservant, what he what what people he has working for him, nor his maidservant, the, the ladies he has working, <clears throat> nor his ox, his animals, his or his ass. And you know, if it, if it ended there, we go, oh wow, well there's, well I'm not gonna have a problem with these. I'm not gonna have a problem with this. I mean, he doesn't have as good as animals as I do. Why would I want that? His house is not better than mine. But you know what? I like the thoroughness of God because He doesn't end it that way. Because what we do as Christians, as we look for loopholes, 
You do your taxes, loopholes. When you do, when you, when you, when you're driving down the road, loopholes. Well, the speed limit's 55, but I can go an extra seven miles because I've heard police officers say that. Speed limit? That's the maximum speed you're supposed to go. We always look for loopholes. So he breaks it all down. He said he talks about the house, the wife, the servant, male and female, oxen, the the donkeys, and then he says this at the very end. I like how he ends this. Nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The word anything covers everything. And so when we look at this, God doesn't want us to have the wrong perspective on, on, on aspects that are not ours. Let's break this down one more time. The first three and, and the fourth one, we'll, we'll jump into that. But the first three is our relationship with God. We should have no other gods before me, before him. Number two. No graven images. Number three, his name should mean something. And number four is the day should mean something. So we've got to get this right perspective of God. Now when we get over here <clears throat> to people in possession, honor your father and mother. Do what's right. Um, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie or, or bear false witness. And the last one is thou shalt not covet. You know, if we get all these things in order in our life, our life would be a, a lot better place. God knows that's, that's why he gave it to us. Now don't get all wrapped up in these, just these 10, because God's about ready to bring down some more commandments to them along the way. How to make an altar, how, how to take care of the Ark of the Covenant. He's going to break all these things down. We have a God that's very thorough. And for that, I'm thankful. He gives us a way to serve him, and he also gives us a will to serve him. What are we doing with it? Although Moses was moving round, round and round in his life, a man God moved, his, his basis and foundation was God. Did he make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Will you? Absolutely. But you know what you need to do? Keep going on and do what's right. You know, we can't do wrong with following what God's word says. I'm thankful that we live in the day of grace, not the day of law. That you have something great for us. May we follow those, and when we don't follow them, may we get convicted and have that Holy Spirit come in. by noon and you can see other people and you, you can wave at them from cars make sure you abide by the rules get your bulletins drive over there turn into the fm station and just sit there and listen to god's word and god's singing I, I just, I, I love hearing pe God's people sing. 
and <clears throat> I actually got to hear a couple of them through the windows. But as you as we go through this, remember that this is a time where we can grow closer to the Lord and take care of people around us. Ladies, make sure you listen to the announcements about the ladies' meeting coming up in May. And I hope you have a great Mother's Day. We're looking forward to that service in our in our church. Pray that everything works out, that we do the right thing. And stay safe out there. Make sure you do what you need to do. Thank you again for tonight. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Um, spend some time with your family. And then just stay safe as you get out in the world. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day. But the problem lies in, in the 10th one is that you can hide all this stuff. This is something that's a heart problem. Go to verse number 17 and we'll be done. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor the manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his oxen, nor his ass, nor anything that is in thy neighbor's. And again, I want to thank God for his throwingness with this. He starts out, he says, listen, coveting, that's wanting something that's not yours, that it's something you've not worked for, but you still want to have it. Keep keep reading on these and look at the order of this. The first one, <clears throat> shall not cover thy neighbor's house. A structural building. Don't look at something and say, hey man, I wish I had that. There's always going to be a better house than yours. No matter what, who you are or where you live, there's always going to be something that's nicer. <clears throat> and then the second one says, um, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. This is a possession that the neighbor had, and, and we've got to understand that vow. Don't do that. Make sure we understand that. Don't cover, Don't even start thinking about, hey, if I only had her, if I only had him, don't think that way. Because when you start thinking that way, it'll, it'll set something in emotion that could hurt you. God says, listen, just don't covet things. Don't want something that's not yours. We look at things and we say, man, if I only had that. But how many times if we had them, would we have problems with them? Cars are a good example. If I had this, if I had that car, I'd just have a wonderful thing. Cars break down. And when you want to covet something, you know what? I don't want to covet something that could break down and cost me more money. God's trying to protect us here. He gives you what you need. And I use this as a reference before. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The wanting aspect, God's going to give you exactly what you need. Keep reading. It says that thy, thy wife, and it says, um, nor his nor his manservant, what, he, what, what people he has working for him, nor his maidservant, the, the ladies he has working, <clears throat> nor his ox, his animals, his, or his ass. And, you know, if it, if it ended there, we'd go, oh, wow, well, there's, well, I'm not going to have a problem with these. I'm not going to have a problem with this. I mean, he doesn't have as good as animals I do. Why would I want that? His house is not better than mine. But you know what? I like the thoroughness of God because he doesn't end it that way. Because what we do as Christians is we look for loopholes. You do your taxes, loopholes. When, you do, when, you, when, you, when you're driving down the road, loopholes. Well, the speed limit's 55, but I can go an extra seven miles because I've heard police officers say that. Speed limit? 
That's the maximum speed you're supposed to go. We always look for loopholes. So he breaks it all down. He said, he talks about the house, the wife, the servant, male and female, oxen, the, the donkeys. And then he says this, at the very end, I like how he ends this, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The word anything covers everything. And so when we look at this, God doesn't want us to have the wrong perspective on, on, on aspects that are not ours. Let's break this down one more time. The first three and, and the fourth one, we'll, we'll jump into that, but the first three is our relationship with God. We should have no other gods before me, before him. Number two, no graven images. Number three, his name should mean something. And number four is the day should mean something. So we've got to get this right perspective of God. Now when we get over here <clears throat> to people in possession, honor your father and mother. Do what's right. Um, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie or, or bear false witness. And the last one is thou shalt not covet. You know, if we get all these things in order in our life, our life would be a, a lot better place. God knows that's, that's why he gave it to us. Now, don't get all wrapped up in these just these 10 because God's about ready to bring down some more commandments to them along the way. How to make an altar. How, how to take care of the Ark of the Covenant. He's going to break all these things down. We have a God that's very thorough. And for that, I'm thankful. He gives us a way to serve him. And he also gives us a will to serve him. What are we doing with it? Although Moses was moving round, round and round in his life, a man God moved, his, his basis and foundation was God. Did he make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Will you? Absolutely. But you know what you need to do? Keep going on and do what's right. You know, we can't do wrong with following what God's word says. I'm thankful that we live in the day of grace, not the day of law. But we can learn from this law because all these 10 are good things for us to do. What are you doing with the 10 commandments? We're not good people. We have a hard time following these, but God wants us to follow these. Lord, I thank you for the people of Bible Baptist Church. I thank you for the, the chapter uh, in, in Exodus chapter 20, where it deals with the 10 commandments. May we understand in our life, we have to follow these Ten Commandments. Thank you for what, what they stand for and what they mean. May we truly understand that you have something great for us. May we follow those, and when we don't follow them, may we get convicted and have that Holy Spirit come into our life and make us what we need to be. Thank you again for what you're about to do, and thank you for your word that it never turns void. Thank you for loving me despite my faults, and thank you for loving the people of Bible Baptist Church despite their faults. We're not perfect. We sure are forgiven. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to come on Sunday. Sunday morning, we'll have our drive-in service at 11 o'clock. And I know you won't want to miss that. We'll probably be out of there by noon. And you can see other people and you can wave at them from cars. Make sure you abide by the rules. Get your bulletins, drive over there, and turn into the